hey, you know what to do, you're grown, you know what's right. 19, 16, I, don't, I never know exactly what those mean, but we're somewhere in that ballpark. It's one o'clock in the afternoon in Auburn, Alabama, and this place was lit. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop Podcast, episode 21. Of, 21. Shut up, of the College Loop Podcast. I am joined today by Harrison Tart, as always, and Daniel Locke. We are back at it and just getting started with the preview going on. Auburn takes on Texas A&M, I believe, today. As this is the out. Tuesday show. It's I believe the, is the game Tuesday or Wednesday. I haven't I even looked at it. The game is Tuesday. Okay. It's tomorrow. So thank you, Daniel. I'm glad that I just learned this on live air. Is it what is it 7 o'clock Eastern tip? 6 o'clock Central? Uh, 6 Central. Yes. Yes. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, the Tigers in a must-win game after they are now unranked after 32 consecutive weeks of being ranked. And I mean, when you say must-win, every game is a must-win, but this one is a capital M-U-S-T must-win for the Tigers because there is a worst-case scenario. We've talked about it. Jacob Goins had the balls to say it. (laughs) If Auburn doesn't start finding games to win, Auburn could find themselves out of the tournament. You're absolutely right, Dylan, and uh, I, I think that I've, I've actually had some time to sleep on it and think on it. And and when Dylan, uh, when 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 Goins said on the show, um, you know, that the Auburn there's a, there's a way that Auburn doesn't make the tournament. Um, I think I, I I sounded like I was overreacting. I was I, I'd like to clarify myself here. Um, I'm just I'm I'm glad someone was willing to step up as a guest on the show. Um, they can say it so that way they can uh, they can deal with that in their own mentions and not in ours. <laughs> uh, but I I think that. I think, I think Jacob brings up a really good point, man. Um, uh, there is there's room for concern, and this I feel like there it's going to be a tale of of two teams going down the stretch, and that's kind of what we've seen to this point. Um, and, and I'm not even talking about the two teams being Kentucky and Alabama, or Kentucky and Tennessee, or whatever combination you want to look at. I'm talking about Auburn and Bad Auburn. Um, I mean, there th- this team can be one of two two molds, and there's a lot of different avenues to go about this. Um, and and, and we've already seen Auburn lose to Texas A&M at home. At Neville Arena, get they had that long home win streak snapped um, at, at, at the at the hands of Buzz <laughs> yet again, <laughs> and uh, it's it this is uh, Buzz is I think we should start calling him the Buzz Saw um, because all he does is just chop straight through Bruce Pearl teams. I, I kind of like that little analogy. It's no Will Cruz's street sweeper, but I, I I think that it's it's I think there's some some validity in it. Um, is, and, oh, sorry, no, no, go right ahead, one Dan. win over Williams, one win, one. Yeah, it, it's one of those coaches, and and I think A and M that was a great hire for them a few years back, um, and 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 that's going to be a continual build of that program. Um, un- unfortunately for Auburn, they've got to go on the road in College Station and play in a hostile environment and, and succeed. So, so I'm going to go ahead and open up the floor here. Um, it's 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 disappointing for Auburn fans, obviously, that, that Auburn's uh, ranked streak is is out of of the picture now. So what? So be it. Um, being ranked in college basketball really is not the end of the world. Uh, it do, it matters more when you're in the upper echelon for seeding, and it's kind of a more clear picture of where you're going to be. But honestly, the net and Ken Palm may, well, it matters so much more than the AP. And I'm not demeaning what what Bruce Pearl and, and them did um, with their streak of, of ranked on the AP poll. That's a big deal. But we'll start with you, uh, Daniel, if that, if that's okay. Uh, going down this stretch, um, and and let's let's address a little bit. Let's talk the hard questions, guys. Um, Auburn is objectively on kind of thin ice, right? Um, in terms of, I don't know how much they're really in jeopardy of, of make, not making the tournament unless they, barring they lose out. Um, I, I, I think I see a four and four floor 
That, that's rhymed a lot, but I, I think the, the floor is four and four. But Daniel, what does what does Auburn do need to do to escape being like a a low level seed, like a ten seed, eleven seed? Right. So uh, first of all, hello everyone. Good whatever time of day you're listening to the podcast on. Uh, it's good to be back. Um, I've had good to have you back. Two episodes, unfortunately. Um, last Wednesday, I had to record my professional wrestling podcast over on Legal. If you feel so inclined, you should definitely check that out. And then on Saturday, I was actually in Knoxville. Was in originally, I was gonna like record, I was gonna hop on, um, in my roommate Ethan's car. Uh, by the way, Ethan says hello. I forgot to say that before we start. Hello to Mr. Miller, friend of the program. Um, but then I just was in no mood and probably would have said some things that would have not flown. So I just decided to take a take the rest of my vacation day. But good to be back. But now to answer Tar's question, um, it was seating, right? It, it was it was going down down the stretch. How does Auburn skate on this thin ice and and, right. and stay uh, keep their head afloat of, 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 and avoid being an eleven seed? I mean that that can be detrimental. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Sorry, in my intro, I forgot. Um, okay. okay, so win tomorrow, lose to Bama. Okay. Um, Beat Vanderbilt. No reason to lose that. I know it's a road game in the SEC, but come on now. Um, beat Tennessee at home. Sure. Oh goodness, bear with me. I think you. Um, I think you have to win Kentucky at Rupp. Hmm. To not be I, an eleven, probably. And Missouri. I, I, oh, Missouri. Another, another, there's your another tournament team. Yeah. I think you said four and four. Yeah, I think if if Auburn can go like five and three, I think it'll be okay. They're in good shape at five and three. I I think they're in decent shape. I think you could still be a ten seed. Um, I think you'd be as high as a nine, just depending on if you get help elsewhere, because everyone's beating up on everyone around the country. I mean, we watched Gonzaga and St. Mary in in one of the games of the year, um, this past weekend, and, and they're beating up on each other. Those are two tournament teams. Uh, I feel like the ceiling, unless just something crazy happens, is about seven seed. Oh yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And barring a sweep of Alabama. Um and, and at barring you win out, um, yeah, I, th- I think you have to win out and do really well in the SEC tournament to be a, definitely a top five, probably anything a six or better. I would imagine. I would agree with you, um, Daniel and, and Dylan. I'd like to get your thoughts on on kind of. The, I'm going to pose the same question to you here. Um, going down the stretch, what's the outlook got to be for both Bruce Pearl and company and, and Auburn fans? Let's look at this from a realistic standpoint, right? Uh, and, and take a look and, and say you should always cheer for your team and you should always want your team to win. But here's what you need to set your expectation of this is what my minimal bar is. And this is anything less than this is acceptable. I mean, looking down these last eight games, I mean, the only game I can look at and be like, yeah, Auburn's winning that one is Ole Miss. That's about as far as the easy games go. Just because Vanderbilt's going to be such a tough game on the road. I mean, Vanderbilt's not a bad team, uh, but you look at like Missouri's like third on that list of easiest teams that we have left and their tournament team. Right. A&M, then another team right above Missouri, and then you have two two more Bama at Kentucky and Tennessee. And I look down the stretch, and I'm like, if Auburn can't figure out how to fix this offense, I mean, 12 seed or lower, I feel like, just because Tennessee was unacceptable. Yes, the the fouls were should have been called, shouldn't have been called, whatever. The game and, you, never and you've got to shoot the ball the better than that. Don't you got to shoot the ball yeah. better than that? Yeah, the game should never be decided by the refs. You should never score 43 points in a game ever unless that's in the first half. If you're ending in the first half and it's 46 43, you're in good shape. <laughs> but you finish the game with 43 points. You, you sound just like the Tennessee fan that was sitting in front of me on Saturday. 
Oh, I don't, I don't think that's a compliment. Yeah, that's not a compliment at all. Uh, I'll mute you. <laughs> I, I have the power to mute you in this. In this <laughs> I'll mute myself. Don't compare me to the Tennessee fans. Don't act like him. Uh, I'm him. Am I am I wrong, Daniel? Is you do you want to only score forty three points in a game? It's like if you if the if, other team scores forty two, sure. No, you I, no, no, Daniel, you're absolutely right. Winning map is the ultimate trump trump card, right? The the ultimate that does it, ultimately just win, baby, Dickie D, right? Get it, Trump, big orange. That's funny. Yeah, that, yeah, there, there you go. Ha ha, boom, boom. Anyways, uh, just win, baby, right? And I, I get that mentality, but in the SEC, you cannot score. 43 points and expect to win a basketball game. You can't. And, and from, on Tennessee's end of the ball, you can't score 46 points and expect to win a basketball game. You got lucky. You got lucky. There was a lid on the rim. I mean, and, and I, I could go down the whole list of the officiating was horrific. Yes, it was bad. I think it was bad both ways. It we was. could go down the we could go down the list of Auburn shot the ball like crap. Tennessee shot the ball like crap. The rims on both ends at the charity stripe looked like they were about the size of a freaking egg. I mean, it's 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 unreal um, how 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 both teams should be pissed off about that one. I mean, the only good thing for Tennessee is, is that they won. Um, so I, I'm building off of you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm defending both of you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, looking down the stretch, I mean, you can't score 43 points against Texas A&M and expect to win that game. You can't score 43 no. points against any of these teams and expect to win the game. You can't score less than 65 for a single game for the rest of the year and expect to win. Oh yeah, and I mean. If if something's not fixed quick, because we expected the Georgia game to be a building block, the big Georgia win, winning by twenty one, correct? Yeah, twenty one points. And it feels like that momentum's gone. The momentum has dwindled away. It is now nothing but ash. It has been shot down like a duck because <laughs> the Tennessee game was horrendous to watch. And yeah, you mentioned it, Tennessee. Yeah, they won. So it's good for them. They don't have to, they can look behind it. But now that's all Auburn has right now to look at is we looked like crap against Tennessee. And we have a that was just the beginning of a absolute gauntlet that is ahead of Auburn. Two more times against Bama at Kentucky, one more time against Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Missouri, and AM. Not even to count on this because they're irrelevant to this conversation. I'm talking about all the good teams left on the schedule. You Agreed. cannot play like you did against Tennessee ever again. Let, let me throw this out there. Let me throw this out there right now. You 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 only score forty three against Ole Miss. You probably lose that game too. It does not matter. You should not win a game in the SEC. You shouldn't win a game in college basketball. Score forty three. Uh, it is it is flat out unacceptable. It's inexcusable and it's pathetic. I mean, and 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 I already I already know that that's going to be a quote on our on our grid, guys. I can see that now. But it's I, I think I'm right. There are um, high school areas where you probably couldn't get by with 43. Bingo. Bingo. You're, you're, you're absolutely correct, Daniel. And, and I want to kind of reel it back in for a second here. I just hit my mic. Whoops. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I want to reel, reel it back in for a second here and, and, and talk about last time A&M and Auburn matched up and, and that, that win streak was, was, was snapped at Neville Arena. And, and, and you look at the trend, and we say this every freaking episode dylan what am i about to say two two words uh starts uh starts with t uh, the first two letters of each word are tg go guess tg tom green of ale.com correct how about tall guards tall guard tall guard yep we we, we talk about that's the, that's the buzzword right that's a buzzword in 2022 to 2023 uh you've got tyrus radford and, and wade taylor the fourth tyrus radford made you look like made auburn look like they had never played basketball in their life not on the defense end of the floor um Wade Taylor, we know he's capable. 
Um, and, and, and this is a game where if Auburn's guards don't step up, Auburn's going to be in some deep crap. And that, that, that scene from Moneyball, it's like there's 50 feet of crap and then there's us. You know what I mean? When Brad Pitt, Pitt says that to Jonah Hill. I guess not Jonah Hill, the rest of the, uh, the organization. It's not, not important. But I guess what I'm, what I'm going to pose to you here is, and this transitions nicely into our mailbag question. Um, Dylan, I know you're looking at that. And you like you like my little tie there, my little segue, make it nice and smooth. Uh, we had a really good mailbag question that was asked of us unintentionally. And then I think that he was like, oh, bet, I'll, I'll listen to this on the podca- podcast. So Kyle Loomis, if you're listening right now, appreciate the mailbag question. Guys, Katie Johnson has been, dare I say, a bright spot over the past two and a half, five combined halves somewhere in there, four and a half combined halves. We're getting into a lot of math here that I'm not very good at, so I got a degree in journalism. Um, as of late, Katie Johnson has been there. Um, he's not knocking down the shots that, that you know good Katie Johnson can knock down. But what if Katie Johnson develops some consistency, whether that be shooting, stepping up and shooting 20% from deep or not turning the ball over, or staying out of foul trouble and getting to the rim and scoring, averaging, let's say, if, if KD can average 10 a game. What does that mean for this guard group specifically? And, and don't I'll open it up to you first since I let Daniel feel the first, last one first. What does this mean for Auburn down the stretch? Well, how much higher is the ceiling? The ceiling skyrockets, I think, if you have a tertiary guard outside of Wendell Green, and I'm going to count him Flanagan as, a, as your scoring threats. Just because Katie Johnson's ability to drive in, when he's able to make the shots, it rivals Wendell Green's ability to drive in and get those circus layups, however what. But the thing about Katie Johnson is he's able to draw fouls when he's able to get those shots, and he's always the and-one kind of guard. And watching him last game, I mean, it was – it does get a little infuriating when you see him behind the three-point line and you're like – Oh, you know he's going to shoot. Yeah, you're like, please, just for once in your life, please don't shoot the ball. And then against Tennessee, you saw sometimes he wouldn't. He would drive in and do it. He made his bread and butter last season was he'd get the ball, put it on the court, and drive in, draw a foul. And, you know, more often than not, he gets that third point. I mean, that's the kind of three-pointers that you want KD Johnson getting is a layup, then the foul. Sure. And and Daniel, uh, kind of building off of that, uh, if KD Johnson surfaces and averages, let's let's say something even eight a game, even even eight and eight point five or whatever between eight and ten somewhere in that ballpark, going down the stretch, how much stress does that take off of the rest of this guard group? That I mean, outside of Wendell Green Jr. really can't score. I mean, I guess Alan Flanagan, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, eight a game definitely takes some off. I feel like if you can get that to ten or eleven or maybe even twelve, that really takes a lot of pressure off. Um, but if he can just consistently put the ball in the, the put, put the uh, put the ball in the hoop, um, that can be a few points that you know Wendell and um, Zep and I know you said guards but like Jalen. Like that's a couple points gained less sure. that they have to worry about. Sure. So you can focus on other things, um, and just kind of spread it around a little more. So it definitely wouldn't hurt at all. I couldn't agree more. And uh, and if you look going ahead to the A uh, and M game on on Tuesday, or I guess tonight as this uh, as this episode comes out, uh, Auburn should be back at full strength, uh, assuming that there were no long lasting injuries that we know about. I know Dylan Car- we know Dylan Cardwell was out on Saturday due to illness. Um, and and I'm gonna be honest, not one part of me ever was like, oh, I wonder if Dylan Cardwell was on the floor. And that's no shade. <laughs> I just don't think it changes the outcome of the game. 
Um, you know what I mean? And uh, that, that, that being said, let's pivot from a team that's been healthy, Daniel, to a team that is quite possibly just not, it might not be legal for Auburn women's basketball um, to stay healthy. So uh, Daniel, walk us through real quick. And I wasn't able to watch on Sunday um, Auburn uh, versus Arkansas. It's the first women's game I've missed in a, in a while, or at least not watched the recap on. Um, so walk us through it and uh, let's, I've, I've got the box in front of me. It's all yours. All right, I'm pulling up the box right now. Just give me one second. Dude, I unfortunately dude. didn't get to watch much of it either. Um, I kind of tuned in and tuned out for a little bit, but it just I was you know enjoying some family time. Auburn did their typical thing where they got down pretty big, but came back um, as they were down 16-5 at the end of the first quarter, and then at halftime the score was 32-19. Auburn won both the third and fourth quarters. Um, anyway, kind of skipping to the end, Auburn lost on a controversial call to lose the game 54-51. to I'm not going to really spend a ton of time on that. But Auburn just didn't get the scoring that they normally do, for, as, particularly from Aisha Koulibaly, who you can normally count on from anywhere from 20 to 30 a game. She got you one. Uh, honestly, Scott Grayson, who I'm still not sure is 100%, got you 11. Ja'Kayla Johnson got you 9. Uh, Chris Richardson got you 9. Romy Levy came for 9. Uh, Caitlin Duhon and Marshawn Bostic both got 6. And then Sydney Shaw got 4. So that's just not really going to get the job done. And if you look at Arkansas, they didn't really have anyone who went off either. Uh, Aaron Barnum led the scoring for the Razorbacks with 14, closely followed by Michaela Daniels with 11, and then um, – Sailor Poffenbarger with 10. Then you have seven from Sharma Spencer, seven from Chrissy Carr, four from Jersey Wolfenbarger. That's a cool name. And then one from Riley Langerman. Man, I love these Arkansas names. That's sick. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just a very winnable game that just kind of got away there at the end. One you hate to see. Uh, it would have been really cool to go four in a row. It wouldn't have, um, it would have, you know, been a bright spot on a weekend that Auburn lost in gymnastics Friday, men's basketball Saturday. So would have been able to end the weekend on a win. But, you know, you just got to look on to the next one. I, uh, You're right. Uh, it's, at some point, you just have to look forward. And, uh, I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest here for a second, guys. Uh, if Auburn wins this game, great, four in a row. The streak's over on Thursday, <laughs> regardless, <laughs> uh, when South Carolina comes to town. And, uh, and, and uh, that's no discredit to Auburn. Uh, I, I thought that – Auburn fought back well, um, and, uh, and from what I've what I've read, what I've what I've interpreted from the box score, what I've interpreted from talking to friends of the program, people within the program, uh, Coach Jay pointed it out, man. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of points you just left hanging there. Uh, Auburn went 14 to 27 from the strike. That's the difference in the game, and even if you just make four of those, it's unreal. Um, and this is usually a pretty pretty strong free throw shooting yeah. team. Um, I mean, you, you shoot 32% from the field and you, uh, against a team that shoots 26.9% of the field and you lose that game. Listen, sometimes it happens. I, that's just one of those – you just can't re reason with it, right? I mean, it, there's some just things that are just not logical <laughs> in, 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 in college basketball, specifically in the women's game. And uh, this is when you just kind of got to take on the chin, you know what I mean, and just kind of bounce back, pop back up, and and get ready for the for the next rep. And uh, you mentioned it, Daniel, uh, that – Women's basketball rounded out the weekend 0 for 3 for Auburn um, across the three competitions they had. But there were some bright spots in Friday Night Heights. There were. Um, I was there. I covered this one for Weagle um, in Tuscaloosa. Worst credential I've ever had. But that's a story for another time. 
Um, a very, very electric meet. Very glad I got to be there for it. Um, just what an atmosphere. And getting into the actual meet itself, very close. Um, I honestly think those are two of the best gymnastics teams in the SEC. Um, sure. Which no one in the SEC is bad at all. Right. <laughs> Everyone in the SEC is very, very good. But in five seconds, I'll have it pulled up. I think that I'm going to expand on this while you, while you, while you pull that up real quick. Uh, This meet is so indicative. Actually, I think it's more of a credit to Alabama than it is a discredit to Auburn by first off, we we know how gymnastics works until you're in, 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 in in national regionals and nationals. It it doesn't matter about ranking about win loss rather. Um, It matters about where you're ranked, what your score projections are, where where, where you stand. And uh, it took Alabama five career highs, Daniel. Yeah. Um, to, to, to beat, to beat Auburn in an arena and the airplane hangar that Auburn's never won at, um, in gymnastics. And, uh, I think it's more of a credit. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think it's just a, a testament that Alabama is maybe better than people thought they were and, and they people are. thought they were good already. So I don't yeah. think this is discredit Auburn at all. A lot of people on Auburn Twitter were complaining about the officiating or excuse me, the judging, but I mean, and mainly cause Alabama got exactly what they needed on the floor, but those were some Darn good floor routines. Like, they just did good. Um, it's not like other sports. SUNY Lee can't go up on the beam and truck Luisa Blanco off of it. Like, you cannot <laughs> she play could. Beam. She could do that. She could, in theory. Would it end her career? Absolutely. But, um, you can't play defense. So what the other team does, like, that's just it. It's out of your control. So, right. And a lot of people, it's, I'm really glad the Auburn family is starting to get into gymnastics. I really am. But this is different from any other sport. Wins and losses are not the end-all, be-all. It is near impossible to win on the road. Because, you know, in football, 100 yards is 100 yards. In baseball, the bases are 90 feet apart. And this other team gets to practice on this equipment every day. You, you get four minutes before that meet starts to get a feel for that equipment, the way the floor bounces. They're just – there's no need to hit the panic button at all. I think it's just crediting how big of a rivalry it is between our two schools. That's why the Iron Bowl is one of the greatest rivalries in the history of sports because it goes way deeper than just football. A loss, yeah, a loss in gymnastics does not matter that much, but it's the fact that we lost to Alabama that just boils everyone down to their core. <laughs> yeah. Just seeing any graphic where it's Alabama on top of Auburn in any way, shape, or form makes me want to start typing at some people, just because you it makes your blood boil. It just does. Like I'm getting tense up just thinking about it, just because that's why that that just credits the Iron Bowl that much. I, I think you're right. I, I don't. I don't think that you've you've overspoken at all, Don. And 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 it also a, a credit it credits the high level of of uh, talent, not just within the state of Alabama uh, in terms of gymnastics, but that is being pulled into the state of Alabama. Um, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not one to say a, 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 you know, for for you Barners out there, a Bammer victory is not a Barner victory. That's not what I'm saying. But these are two very. I know you don't like this term complementary programs on the other side of uh, the state of each other because Alabama's a, I mean, we know Alabama's a football state. Now Alabama's a, a basketball state. Alabama's a gymnastics state now. I mean, th- this is, this is, it's good for the future generations of gymnasts, Dylan. That's what I'm getting at. 
I'm just and we're then, we're an everything state, but I'd like us to be better at everything than Alabama. <laughs> sure. And just one thing I'd kind of like to say: every Auburn athlete has made their mark on the rivalry. You know, bow over the top, um, go crazy, Cadillac. I'm sure Charles Barkley did something pretty cool. Um, even Knicks, even Bo Knicks, 2019 Iron Bowl. Right. Like even guys that aren't don't grad don't don't spend their entire career there. Can you guys tell me how many Auburn gymnasts have gotten a 10 in Coleman Coliseum before Friday night? I'm going to guess zero. I'm going to say zero. Zero. Suni Lee got two of them. She made her mark on the rivalry. You're right. I, 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 that was just mic drop moment. That's all. Uh, Build the statue. You're, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And, and we're going to have that conversation at the end of her, of her sophomore year, at the end of her season. Um, on the loop right here, and we've talked about this before. We're going to have a discussion about where she fits in, uh, in the one of the in the scream of greatest Auburn athletes of all time. Um, and and I think that we 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 hinted at it on the Twitter today. We got some inter- interactions. If you're watching and you want to comment on YouTube, you want to hit us on on Twitter or comment on us on Facebook, DM us whatever, and, and tell us your thoughts. We'd love to read through them and talk talk to each point because this is a conversation that that's here. And the fact that we're living through the opportunity to talk about one of the greatest athletes to come through Auburn is so cool. This is just something that I want to say. This is me talking directly to all of our listeners. Please, please, please don't miss this opportunity. Please come watch this team compete. You will not regret it whatsoever. And if you have to spend a couple of bucks to do it, if you can scrape it together, I get it. I know it's expensive at Auburn Arena, but if you can scrape a couple of bucks together and, and try to go see them uh, before before soon he's gone, and, and even afterwards, it's it's going to be special afterwards. But yeah. this is what this is soon initially is one of the most special and, and gifted athletes that has ever come through Auburn University. And 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 if 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 you miss your opportunity now, I'm sorry. If you can't make it physically, I get it. Um, if you can't make it work, I get it. But at least tune in on Friday Night Heights because, man, is she special. This team is special. Um, it, it goes deeper than her. I mean, you look at Darion Goborn bringing down the house, walking out to God Save the Queen in her floor routine. Uh, you, you you look at uh, Cassie Stevens lighting it up uh, just across, beating Cindy Shalene in the all-around a couple of meets ago. Um, I mean, and 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 then Sophia Groth, uh, she, she has the potential, and she is spectacular, but she can have very special nights. Uh, th- this team is so good. It's so deep, and, and the tradition and culture – that is being established now is is unprecedented at Auburn, and uh, it's it's a it's a special. And the, the fact we we've sat here and we talked for over five minutes about gymnastics on an Auburn podcast. If if you know if if we were talking on Auburn gymnastics on the radio five even five years ago, this would be unheard of, un, unprecedented. And and now what we're doing is commonplace because it's just such a special feat. Um, so Daniel, I, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I really I really am, and it is worth noting that. Suni, Suni Lee has now surpassed uh, Trinity, Florida's Trinity Thomas as the number one uh, uh, in all all around rankings in the NCAA, and Auburn jumped up uh, one spot after losing to Bama, losing in air quotes, right? Uh, this past week, so Auburn back up in the top five. What a weekend for Auburn gymnastics, and uh, what a year! I got my SEC championship tickets already, Daniel. So it's in I'll my. I'll be there. Will you? It's a. I graduated from high school in that arena. Fun fact. Oh really. <laughs> I did. So, uh, yeah, I'm out. I'm taking my, my mom has never seen Suni and she wants to see her before she leaves. So I got mom tickets to go yes, see I get to meet Mrs. Tall. That's right. That's right. You get to meet uh, both the parents. Mom and dad will both be there. And the whole fam, the whole fam family, as we say, Dylan, <laughs> bringing them all with me. Let's 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 pivot real quick before we get into uh, some 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 diamond sports, Dylan. And let's talk Auburn Twitter moment of the week. What do you say, guys? I am down. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to lead in with my Auburn Twitter moment of the week. 
Dolan's got one. Daniel, if you've got an honorable mention or if you want to piggyback off of one of us, go right ahead. Uh, mine is, I know we're a little delayed here. I get it. I know Walker White committed on Friday, and I know this is this past weekend. We should have done this on the Sunday show. Come at me. Fine. Who cares? I'm going with the Bruce Hugh Brotherhood. Um, the simplicities of them boom, you know, saying boom, like Bruce Hugh and hyping each other up on Twitter is is the perfect embodiment <laughs> of um a little bit of what what a what a meme this duo is. It's great co- great coaching, right? I we, we we think that we know Bruce is great. We think that Hugh can be very, very good at Auburn. It's funny, guys. And and, and the deep fried memes that have come out of this. Um, and especially since it was already a little bit brother Hugh, um, <laughs> has been, has been nothing short of incredible. So that's my Auburn Twitter moment of the, of the past week. Dylan. Mine's got to go to Sammy Coates and his infatuation with wine. <laughs> Just cause he, he asked a lot of all of his followers who wants to join him for a wine night. If you go through his entire Twitter, you get more wine than anything else on his page well we went through it earlier it was like sunset wine 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 he's exercising wine all the (laughs) way down like the man loves his wine so that's my pick for his for my twitter moment of the week just because it's wild how much a man loves wine daniel any honorable mentions sure i'm gonna go with um 2024 quarterback commit um walker white recruiting this oh, one's going to come with him to play at Auburn, dude. Did the the quote tweet from from uh, we'll talk about the decommit from Alabama uh, later in the sh- here here in a minute, but the quote tweet that says "I love to see this" and tagged Hugh Freeze and it was the funniest thing I've seen all day. <laughs> I was like, oh, Walker was not kidding when he said he's going to start recruiting people to the planes. Said so someone bring me by commits. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And uh, speaking of accolades on the planes and, and highly ex- anticipated uh, athletes uh, come this year, uh, let's talk a little bit of diamond sports guys before we hop into the monstrosity that as that is football always is. Let's talk a little softball right now. Dylan, I'll let you break this news. I know you're very excited for uh, for these accolades. Yeah. So Brie Ellis was ranked the, the fifth. I don't even know how to read this. It was kind of put weirdly on the graphic. Just ranked the number five uh, D1 softball first baseman in the country and there's a lot of teams in the country and, and out of all of them she's the fifth best if you don't mind i'm going to read off her freshman stat line real quick just so people can see why she's on this list and in oh, case yeah. you don't know who brie bombs is um you, first off get out to jane d Moore because i have been there on a number of occasions and this is no exaggeration dylan's been there with me he can die my back here uh i've been there on a number of occasions where she's put him off the top of the scoreboard <laughs> And uh, she is just ridiculously good. Uh, she hit for 302 as a freshman, true freshman, uh, played in 56 games, started 55 of them. So played every game last year, uh, scored 32 runs uh, 40, on 45 hits, uh, eight doubles, one uh, one triple, and 20 homers. My that's, favorite was when she almost took the eagle off the top of the scoreboard. Dude, I was that's, that's one of the games I was talking about. Dylan and I were like, oh, my God, that ball was hit a mile. Why did I sit by all that? Uh, did you not work it? No, I was just there alone. Big weird. I have no idea. You should have found us. Anyways. She, one of my favorite memories of the softball last season was whenever Brielle said a, uh, a uh, my mind is blanking, a grand slam. And I look over to Mr. Harrison Tarr over there. And I go, how do you even follow up a grand slam? The Michaela show, Michaela Packers shows it you was how Denver to follow Bryant. It was Denver Bryant. It was Denver Bryant. Sorry. Denver Bryant walked up and on the first pitch. <laughs> 
<laughs> just sent it over the fence. So I watched a grand slam and a home run in a matter of minutes. So and then, of course, Daniel, as soon as he, as soon as uh, Denver Bryant uh, made contact with the ball, you knew it was out. So and Dylan had just asked me, well, how do you follow up a grand slam? And as soon as you hear the crack of the bat, I said, like that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Brielle's is uh, her just just gonna round this out real quick. Drew 13 walks uh, and was good for 49 ribbies last year. Um, she's going to be all SEC as long as she's in Auburn. I'll go ahead and say that now. It's barring you know knock on wood, she stays healthy, special talent, and uh, someone that Mickey Dean and company should be very excited about going forward. Another team on the planes, another diamond team. Let's talk a little bit of Auburn baseball guys here for just a couple minutes because I don't want to ramble too long. Don't want the show to run too long. What's I just up? want the record to say I'm here instead of at BP with BT. Oh, was tonight BP with BT? Yeah. Oh, dude, you co- totally could have gone and we would have completely understood. Uh, I have two unexcused absences. I'm just kidding. It's a, yeah, good thing I'm not one of those professors that takes points off. It's all, it's all good. But uh, <laughs> let's let's talk a little Auburn baseball for a second here. Um, Auburn was p- picked to finish last in the SEC West, um, which is just really something. If you guys don't mind, I'll read out the order. Number one, uh, LSU. Two, Ole Miss. Three, Texas A&M. Four, Arkansas. Five, Alabama. Six, Mississippi State. In my opinion, there are three teams that are two to three teams that are clearly should be below Auburn in the preseason rankings. Um, but Auburn lost a lot of talent. I mean, if you look at all the all the arms that they lost, um, I guess I kind of get it. I certainly think Auburn's better than Alabama. Um, I think Mississippi State's kind of in the trenches right now. Um, they kind of hit their their precipice, right, or their their, their pinnacle, and then they've kind of been on this exponential downhill. A um, and M, I think, is going to be very very good. Um, but, and, and we know about Ole Miss, we know about LSU, Arkansas jury's out, right? Jury's still out on that one. Uh, I think this is criminal guys. And uh, it's just, it's one of those things that, I mean, Auburn's used to this, right? Like Auburn baseball, Butch Thompson and the boys, like whatever. I mean, Auburn's always the underdog and no matter what sport, it doesn't really matter. They're going to, they're going to doubt us. But I mean, when was the last time Auburn was uh, projected to finish seventh? And where did we... <laughs> When did we uh where did we go, Omaha? Was that right? There's your fun Omaha? trivia question, kids. <laughs> uh when Look. was the last time the the team predicted to finish last in SC West went to Omaha? Oh, it was last year with the well, Auburn Tigers. A lot of people are looking at this and, and from a rotational standpoint, Dylan, where they're like, Well, you you lose Hayden Mullins, you lose Mason Barnett, um, and you lose Trace Bright, uh, which I mean is uh, no offense to Trace, but like I he's not been that good the past couple of years. Um, if if you look at this rotation, okay. We we know about Jose uh, Joseph Gonzalez. I said Jose Gonzalez. It's one of my one of my bosses. How about Joseph Gonzalez? Hello. Uh, we know about Joseph Gonzalez. We know about what he can do. We know about that he's going to go early in the in, in, uh, MLB draft. Uh, Tommy Sheehan's back. She, uh, Tommy Sheehan is, is going to be a first full year of full usage after that Tommy John surgery at Notre Dame. Um, and, and you and you keep rolling through this team. There's a ton of young options. Uh, Carson Swelling Jr. is going to be back. Jordan Armstrong. Um, a lot of people thought that he he really should be bidding for for a spot in this rotation, and, and then you've got freshmen, uh, you know Hayden Murphy, uh, Drew Nelson, Zach Crotchville. These these guys could really make an impact, and they're guys that Butch had to fight to make sure they didn't go to the league out of high school. So uh, I guess my message here, and Dylan, I'll let you expand. I'm I'm done blabbing. I'm sorry. I just had to, I had my Lindsey Crosby rant. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic and kind of just turn a blind eye thoughts. I mean, yeah. I mean, cause if you look at Auburn as blue did lose son of Deshera, who was a huge bright spot and his Italian ways hitting balls, 300 and hundred million feet off the, uh, out of the field. 
But I mean, you got to look at Auburn and you're seeing the transfers they brought in, how highly touted the transfers transfer guys. And you're like, are you sure that Auburn should be finishing seventh? All of you experts on this, I I, I don't really get it. Well, if, if and if you look look at this, the, the guys that Auburn's bringing back in the infield alone, Cole Foster, Brody Moore, uh, Nate, LaRue, Nate LaRue, three guys that were really big deals, whether that be offensively or defensively. We know the Nate LaRue syndrome. We get that. But huge deals. And but hey, the, the guy may struggle with the plate. He calls a great game behind the dish. Oh, he's a great catcher. And I, he's got a rocket arm. Um, you've got guys, and and then and, and then the outfield, Casey Howell's coming back, uh, Bobby Pierce, uh, Mike Bello. You've got you've got your your team is back. <laughs> like, what is what, what is this all about? Um, so that's that's my point. And uh, Dylan, without uh, without further ado, I know you're chopping at it. And, or Daniel, did you want to expand? I apologize. On us being severely underrated. Sure. Just watch. There you go. Simple message, Dylan. The floor is yours for football do you want to make a podcast well spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money as well all in one place for free it's called spotify for podcasters and here's how it works spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer so no matter what your setup is like you can start creating today then you can distribute your podcast to spotify and literally everywhere else podcasts are heard Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it is totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's been so easy to get the show out to y'all, and I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to Spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. All right, but before we get to football, this is added in a new rule that SEC is now implementing. The fact that the SEC and conference games will have a 10-run mercy rule, as in after seven innings, if a team is up by 10, the game will be called, and uh, not the loser, but the winner will be uh, crowned for uh, demolishing God. the other team. Hey, that's just so good for these young arms, man. <laughs> that's so good for these young guys. <laughs> Nothing's worse than being in the eighth inning and you're up by 14, and yeah, it feels great to be winning, but you're like, oh my God, can we just just strike out? Like yeah, our, our, your your favorite team secondary like first reliever still in the game and he's thrown like sixty pitches and you're like oh my god get him out. <laughs> I need him for when Auburn goes back to Omaha this year. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's just a, a bit big news tidbit that happened. I believe today. I think today, either that or yesterday, where it happened. But I mean, it was. I think it got enough, passed this morning. Yeah, big enough to where it it really helps the arm health of these pitchers and i mean someone on this on this podcast knows what's like to have a torn rotator cuff so i'll let y'all guess daniel do you have a do you have a torn rotator cuff uh me yeah no all right i guess that only leaves me leaves it down to one option say i play football and and uh soccer so my shoulders are you don't like my little okay yeah tar's arm pops when he moves in a weird way (laughs) like it's or in a normal way <laughs> I've heard this. I've heard it pop after he like picked up a his drink at like Taco Bell or something. He just goes, like, "Oh, is that is that you?" Hey, that that's what that's what years and years of catching and then uh, throwing bullpen sidearm will do for you, bud. <laughs> but again, the football twenty twenty four four star tight end Martavius Collins, the Bama commit, who we talked about him a little bit because he was part of former Walker's, former Bama commit because he's now decommitted 
from Alabama. Tar <laughs> hit the camera off with a mute to cough. But yeah, he has decommitted from Alabama. He has just been on two visits to Auburn prior to this. And a certain quarterback who you may have not heard of, Walker White, has uh, has him as one of his most wanted. And it's looking pretty good. This dude is six foot three, two hundred and forty pounds, tight end, and he would join a room that's tight end. I love the tight end room so much. Very underrated position. Does not get utilized nearly enough. Love the tight ends, but Luke Deal and Brandon Frazier, Tyler Fromm, and of course Valdo. We'll never forget Valdo Fairweather. Right. And as someone who's been forgotten a lot is Michael Riley Ducker. I think he deserves a lot more credit for his talent level, but we just haven't seen him enough. But he joins that kind of tie-in room, and oh, it looks oh, it looks so good. Let me throw you around a little little just frame comparison, Dylan. Uh, and we're talking tight ends, and we're talking Hugh Freeze offenses. Mm-hmm. There's a certain tie-in coming out of coming out of high school. He wasn't six three; he was six four, and he was two fifty seven. So he had a little more meat on his bones. But he wound up being pretty good, and he plays for the Buffalo Bills. Hmm. Could you be talking about a Knox brother? I am not foreshadowing Martavius Collins the uh, to be the next Dawson Knox. God knows he's not committed to Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is this frame makes sense. His athletic ability makes sense. Uh, he's he's the number 21 athlete in the in, in the 20. 20- 24 class. Uh, I think that we talked before we got in the air, Dylan, that uh, this kid could wind up being, if if he works his tail off, could wind up being a five-star when it's all said and done. But that, that's, you know, there's, there's a long road ahead of that. And stars only matter so much when the pieces come together in, in the right way. We've talked so about it a want... couple of times that a lot of these guys in Auburn's class right now could be five stars by the end of it. Just because we have three, four stars listed. I think Amon Lane and Jaden Lewis could both see themselves being those five-star players, if they have a good enough, I'm not sure what their composite score is right now. I can probably find that as I am talking about them, uh, maybe not. I'm trying. And stars are, but stars aren't everything, Dylan. And, They're and, not and, everything. And but Daniel, I, I am curious to to get your thoughts here on uh, how 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 big of an impact it is that uh, Martavius Collins takes two visits to Auburn and decommits to Alabama, uh, decommits from Alabama, and then you see him pop pop, pop up on. Walker White, who we presume to be the quarterback of the future at Auburn, right? You see Walker White quote tweet his uh, the, the announcement of his decommitment via on three, saying, I love to see this at Coach Hugh Freeze. This is stuff we've not seen since a couple administrations ago. It reminds me a lot of how I ended up on the planes. <laughs> um, did, uh, visited Alabama, did not like it. Anyway, um, yeah, it's huge. And if Auburn ends up landing this one, that really goes a long way to showing that, yeah, like we're here to compete with these, the Alabamas and the Clemsons and the Ohio States and the Georgias. Like we're we're here and we're going to get these high caliber players that, you know, the top of the top want. And we're going to compete in these tough regions. There's the there's another buzzword. Daniel is so good at the buzzwords today. Okay, uh, here, here here's another buzzword: regional and and and, and locational, right? Rome, Georgia. You're go- Georgia. You're, you already heard the buzz, my buzzword. 
<laughs> you're going into – and obviously you've got to recruit Georgia if you're at Auburn. The state of Georgia is just so rich in, in, in high school talent. Florida the same way. And, and we've talked about it over and over again, the really strength in numbers we've seen in the past couple of years, maybe not so much in the 23 uh, – in the 24s, but we definitely think the 25s are going to be really strong in Alabama. Not uh, not saying anything away from this 24 class because they can be very special. Uh, but very big deal to go get a very highly uh, – you know, if, if Hugh Freeze and company can can pull it off to where they swing you know, Martavis Collins in, in, the, in the coming weeks, months, whatever, uh, big deal to go and say, hey, Kirby Smart, you know, knocking on that metaphorical door. Hey, bud, we're here. We're taking your date out to dinner. See you later. Like, it, it, really, it's like that, right? It's, it's amazing. I love it. It's a huge – as one might say, as I've been saying a lot, just because you don't see this. You said a couple administrations ago, which administration are you talking about? Because, I mean, Gus would recruit pretty well, but I don't think he ever recruited positions of need like Hugh has emphasized thus far. Because, I mean, we talk about the offensive line all the time. I've been talking about the offensive line since our first commit, uh, our first signee, really. Just the fact that Hugh Freeze has gone out there and gotten these dudes our secondary is set for at least four seasons worth just because we have so many dogs in the secondary. Now our quarterback room is probably not, not as veteran filled as we'd like it to be. But I mean, Hugh Freeze's work with that has shown uh, in his like career that he knows how to develop quarterbacks. And now you have a tight end that Auburn is potentially going to get from Rome, Georgia, who he's taking right under the nose of Kirby smart. Hopefully, we'll, we'll be polite. We'll polite. We'll be polite. Who he theoretically could be taking? Yeah, you're right. Who he will be taking? And <laughs> uh, you, you know, Hugh Freeze is just man. Y'all, y'all are you're slow to give him uh, the hope. But I mean, I I've been an Auburn fan for too long not to be just filled up with the hope that comes with a promising recruiting cycle. And it looks like we have promising recruiting cycles for years to come. You're you're so right, and 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 freezes open admittance the the class of twenty three. Uh, he did a, I think he did a great job. We talked about that time and time again. But he him, he has been open in saying, uh, and ever since really the senior bowl when we first really heard him kind of say it publicly. Um, obviously, he's happy with the twenty three class. They they worked their butts off. That the entire staff did, and 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 players within that class included. They got they worked together to get some guys to the planes. But he's done a really good job. Uh, Hugh Freeze has of of saying, look. 23s, this was great. This was a good good starting point. The 24s and 25s are going to be where we are able to tell as a staff and where I'm able to tell as a coach how successful I'm going to be at Auburn. And he couldn't be more right. Uh, the, these next two recruiting classes are imperative. 24 is going to be a, a damn near complete recruiting cycle. 2025, that's going to be your make or break year. If he can have a great 2024 class, like we're already heading in that direction, for instance, I know we're going to talk about it. I think we can just keynote Walker White. One of those guys that everybody in the country wanted, that everybody thought was a Clemson lock, has gone so far now into his commitment where he's not only recruiting other guys, he he came out and publicly said, hey, look, I'm not going looking anywhere else other than Auburn. I'm going to Auburn. I'm not going to visit anywhere. Not named Auburn. Uh, this, is, this is a huge, huge step. And 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 to be quite quite honest, guys, this is something we never saw out of the administration uh, previous um, un, under the Harson tenure. Um, it's just not something where it ever felt like Brian Harson was looking a few years down the road. And, and quite frankly, it never looked that way with Gus Malzahn. Um, Malzahn may have pulled a guy here and there, you know, that wanted to come to Auburn. And uh, I'm, I'm not taking away the fact that Malzahn's uh, staff may did offer people years in advance. But a lot of the, a lot of these times it's kind of like a, a gimme. 
Auburn is one of those places that you can recruit on a base level without with minimal effort. Freeze is combining that, I guess, premise and stature with uh, to what we've seen so far and uh, previously unmatched, uh, I, I guess, uh, tenacity. I think that's the word I'm going to go with. And there was a tweet. I don't know if it's still up anywhere, but uh, Landon King was asked what made him come back to Auburn after the transfer portal. And he posted a picture of Hugh Freeze. And if I can direct your attention to a Jeffrey Emba tweet, he put out, I believe, uh, so it'd be yesterday, this morning, yesterday morning when this comes out. When you see everybody around you working hard, giving everything they got, and keep smiling and get ready for the next set, it's contagious. Hashtag new era. Period, exclamation point. Uh, it, he is in the series of, I think, a little bit over two months, Hugh Freeze has sat down and changed the outlook of this Auburn football team, the Auburn and, football program, and everything. You're you're so correct, and the fan base, uh, every everything around it, and and to think, guys, he really doesn't know his team yet in terms of he's been out on the recruiting trail. Admittedly, um, he's he's contacted the guys that are considering other options, uh, and and made sure that they understood they understood. Hey, you're my priority, but building this program is my priority too, and it's it's only going to benefit both of us. Um, if we can work together and keep you here, uh, and 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 he's done a phenomenal job. Uh, so to to, to that point, and and to his credit, because I mean, God knows I was critical the moment that Hugh Freeze was announced um, head coach at Auburn. I, I mean, I was one of those. This could be a Gus Malzahn 2.0 kind of thing. I I'm already going to kind of go ahead and start backpedaling now. Um, and if uh, if this whole thing doesn't pan out, then I'll be right back to saying that I never switched up. But uh, <laughs> as far as as far as that's concerned, uh, Dylan, you couldn't be more right. Uh, on that note, I'm Harrison Tarr of the Auburn Daily. You can find my Twitter handle at by Harrison Tarr. That's just like you're looking at a byline. All my written work is at the Auburn Daily, theauburndaily.com. And you can check me out on the Auburn Daily podcast on Wednesdays and Fridays. Wednesdays with the fantastic, uh, strikingly handsome Dylan Lark. Um, and the, on Fridays with uh, the fantastic, even more fantastic, maybe slightly more handsome uh, Lindsey Crosby. You got to give him that. It's a good-looking guy right I there. I wouldn't say that. And uh, you can check out all of our work on the College Loop that I know Dylan's going to plug here in a moment. Daniel, it's all you. It's been a pleasure to have you back in the studio, my man, or back in the Zoom. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure to be here. Um, my written work is literally everywhere, um, <laughs> all sorts of places. Um, at Daniel J. Locke on Twitter, I'm going to start covering this recruiting cycle better than I did last year because there's more motivation <laughs> and a new day. There you go. And with that, I'm Dylan Lark at your boy the tank on Twitter. That is at Y A B O I the tank. Also, catch me on the Auburn Daily Show. I just had a show come out yesterday on Monday with Lance Dahl, where we talked about our top three newcomers to this Auburn football team. Go check that out. I'll catch you on the Auburn Daily on Wednesday. So that's tomorrow again with Harrison Tarr. We'll need to be determined on what we're going to talk about then. <laughs> but with that, follow the college loop everywhere. Except for MySpace. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, the works. And big news, we're now available anywhere you get your podcast. We're now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. We out there, we up in here. And with we that, back up. We back up. And with that, it's been the College Loop Podcast. <laughs>